Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Miss Lee Reed and the Tasmanian Devil as Taylor. We want to thank you guys uh, for being here tonight. Of course, I've been the one that hasn't been around in quite a while. I feel like a stranger uh, walking in my own front door. Uh, looks like somebody may have dropped out just then. Uh, Taz, we got you there? Hey, who are you again? I swear, man. Holy heck. I've been away for a while. Glad to be back joking, in the captain. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Well deserved. Uh, glad to be back in the captain's seat. Uh, we've got so much to talk about here tonight. Um, not much of an itinerary to work with, but I think uh, I think we pretty much know tonight what the hot topics are. Um, I'll bring, uh, of course, something to the table. I'll let Ms. Lee bring something to the table. And, of course, Tad Taylor, uh, he'll bring a little bit of something as well in hot topics. And then we'll, uh, we'll jump on down to, I believe, uh, we've got the – uh, things set up tonight to do power rankings. Uh, so uh, I believe power rankings is going to come up in our black flag, checker flag uh, segment. Uh, just a full show tonight. Of course, uh, Craig Moore still out on vacation, uh, handling some uh, personal business at home and stuff. So we wish uh, Craig Moore well. And I uh, can't wait for his return to our, uh, our radio show, Race Chat Live. Well, uh, breaking news. So, you know, normally right about now we would open the show up. We would talk a little bit about uh, what we saw with the truth race, what we saw with the Xfinity race, and what we, where we were with the cup race. But, man, I mean, just turn all that out the window because we got breaking news. We got breaking news. I do want to touch. I do, you know, before I get ahead of myself and the show and 
whatnot. Uh, let me slow down a minute because there was some great racing over the Sunday, right? Uh, Monaco, uh, Max Verstappen. Uh, there's no stopping Max Verstappen, obviously. Uh, uh, just the guy has been on a tear this year um, in the Formula One series. Of course, Monaco was a snooze fest. <sighs> no big controversy either, but F1 is, does a hell of a job at selling their race. Um, I want to talk about the broadcasting and stuff here later, and we'll kind of mix that in. Uh, of course, IndyCar, holy Caviola, when the hell did IndyCar become NASCAR? I mean, I literally had to turn my hat around backwards for that one. I know you guys are chomping at the bitch. I want to talk a little bit about the IndyCar race as well. But breaking news, Taz Taylor, if you were to pick anything out of the sky right now that's breaking news that should be top story, <laughs> It's just almost unfair for me to talk about it because everybody knows where I stand with this subject. Ah, uh, Taz Taylor, bring the breaking news, man. All right. So during the Coca-Cola 600, we heard the news of Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, you know, having the collision that looked very similar to the Bubba Wallace Kyle Larson incident about a year ago. And right right around the same spot, I mean, different. this happened at two different tracks, obviously. But anyways, with this incident came out a penalty of Chase Elliott being suspended for one Cup Series points race being this weekend at Gateway. With that news happening, we, are, we would all think, oh, Josh Berry gets the call right back up. No, he does not because of the fact – um, Corey LaJoy actually goes from Spire Motorsports number seven car, and he will go mm-hmm. to the Hendrick Motorsports number nine car for the week. Mm-hmm. And filling in the Spire Motorsports number seven car will making his Cup Series debut as Truck Series regular Carson Hosevar. Um, LaJoy getting a big break uh, or a big opportunity here, I believe. Uh, Corey LaJoy will still. Still earned driver points, uh, being that he's in a different seat. Um, the owner points he'll be racing for this week is for the Hendrick number nine, and the Hosevar will be racing for the Fire Motorsports owner points uh, for the seven car. But Hosevar, being a Truck Series regular, will not be running for a driver point. So whatever point points uh, Lejoy gets will be for himself and the Hendrick Motorsports nine car. Whatever points. Uh, host of our gets will only go towards the owner points in the number seven fire truck. So my million dollar question is, while I'm thrilled for both Carson and Corey for these opportunities for them, why did they not tap Josh Berry for this one? Portland. Maybe give him a break. Either give him a break he's or he's got something in the works with Stuart Haas because it's being rumored through the athletic. Um, Barry could be going to SHR. Right. But it's a done deal. he's been he's been the fill in for Hendrick up to this point, regardless of what his upcoming contract with SHR might be, why is he not continuing in in that role, I would think Hendrick. that maybe Hendrick with the bad would, blood. <laughs> well, 
yeah, that's a point, I guess. I just, I, you I know, like that. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for Corey. I'm thrilled for, for Carson, but I just feel like Josh got the short end of the stick on this one. So you, you guys don't think that there's that there's uh, possibly you know uh, flight arrangements that that couldn't maybe it was a little bit too far uh, to to jump from Portland. The logistics probably didn't work out. I mean that that's what I'm really leaning towards. I believe it's uh, the you logistics issue. Chris, you're right. I didn't even think about that, but that you're right. That that is most likely what it is. Oh, yeah, it could be because I think, if I remember right, last year, Almendinger, I think, was supposed to do, like, um, a cup Xfinity-type deal um, when Xfinity was in Portland and cup was on the other side of the country. And I think Colleg ended up telling Almendinger, just stay out in Portland and focus on your Xfinity deal. Right. Right. Yeah, maybe. But I would think that would be a big factor. But I I would think that would be a little bit less of a factor being that they're both on the West Coast. No, Gateway's more in St. Louis. So, I mean, well. Which is the gateway to the Midwest. Portland is more over in the Northwest where nobody gives a crap. Right. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Yeah. Unless unless so you're I, a Seattle I, I, Seahawks unless you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, then that's a different story. I'm against the whole suspension of Chase Elliott, let it be known. I know you guys are expecting me to be hoo hoo or rock. And I am. I think it's hilarious. I think the guy finally got what he deserved. But at where where do you draw the line here? I mean we want entertainment. We want bumping and rubbing. But now now we're caught up in this issue with Noah Gregson, basically, because he retaliated in certain certain places, and then Bubba did it. And now uh, uh, Chase Elliott's done it. I mean, really, is this, is this what we want? And, and, and how in the hell are we going to suspend a driver for disciplinary issues and then give them a freaking waiver. There's so much of this that I really, you know, I could we could spend two hours just talking about right. this situation, the Pandora's box that it's opened. And, I mean, I'm not for this. I'm really not for suspending a driver. Yeah, he shouldn't have hooked him. He shouldn't have hooked him in the wall in the front stretch. But just imagine, like, you know, Carl Edwards. So my uh, question getting, is – He didn't get suspended when he – my question is, why do they have to submit a second waiver if he already got one through that was already approved? Exactly. That's you know that that's the part that I don't understand. Why are you applying for a waiver? But that aside, as far as the issue of um, uh, suspending Chase, uh, Michael Waltrip on uh, Race Hub tonight, and I know you know we all have our opinions about Mikey, but basically um, what Mikey said was that bumping and rubbing is racing. Hooking is not. And um, 
Brad Kozlowski on the same show said basically that NASCAR is sending a message to all the drivers, not only in Cup, Xfinity, and Truck, but also down into the weekly series that we will not tolerate this. This is something that is not right, and we won't tolerate it. Yeah, but what's the difference in hooking somebody on the front stretch or the the the, the tribal, whatever it was, the dog leg, um, versus Austin Dillon punting Eric Amarola into the wall at Daytona, where we lost Dale Earnhardt, for the win? Y'all tell me where that line is drawn. Where do we draw the line? I know, I know, and I'm not going to get all excited. No, I'm not going to get I, all crazy on my first day back. See, I I've actually had level blood really, pressure today, so I'm like, <laughs> I didn't really view the rhinestone cowboy double A battery incident at Daytona. You're talking about as Dylan hooking uh, Amarola. I I see it differently, but that's but that's my own opinion, and you have your how own. do you, you see it that see way? It differently, tell me how you see it differently. Tell me why there is a difference. Tell me, please, because maybe you can you hold that threshold that I can't figure out. So describe to me the difference in somebody basically running over a person in front of you, hooking them into the wall. Because if I remember clearly, Eric Amarola hit the wall nose first, wide the hell open in in the backstretch, not in the corner, and I mean. What's the damn difference, y'all? If you can explain to me the difference, maybe it's because it's racing for a win. Maybe that is the difference. Maybe that's something that uh, Chaz, uh, Chaz, 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 you were going to say here. But I need to know from no, you guys no, why I can't the see the, the to draw the line between. I need to draw the line between these two wrecks, and I need y'all to help me do it. So please, Taz, tell me, and then Ms. Lee, if you don't mind, please, because I need I saw- I need some therapy over this. I thought that – so the Austin Dillon incident you're talking about a few years ago, I saw it as he had momentum and he tagged the and the front bumper of Austin Dillon versus the back bumper of Eric Amarola somehow didn't line or mix up right. It didn't really look like a hook, as you saw in Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson last year and then Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin yesterday. Okay, so I have two points to make about this incident. Number one being Elton Sawyer was on Race Hub as well and talked about how they went back and they looked at in-car cameras, they looked at television coverage, they looked at the SMT data. Hmm. And this is something that that both uh, Brad and Michael um, commented on was the SMT data does not lie. And Denny talked about this on his podcast about how it, it showed that Chase's steering wheel took a sharp turn and immediately turned back straight. Now, if he was not in control of that car, he would not have made that correction as quickly as he did. Right. So the, the, the <laughs> second point that I have to make, and this was something that, that was again discussed at length, is that with these cars, 
you see a lot of these in, very similar incidents happening, uh, happening across very different tracks. And it, it has to do with the cars and that the cars just the way that they drift and you don't have as much room or as much time to react as you did with the older generation cars. Yeah. My contribution. Yeah. You know, and look, I think that, uh, I think that both of y'all made great points. My point is, did you wreck them on purpose? Because if you wrecked them on purpose, I don't care. It's It should be viewed as the same thing. But to get us all off the hook, I believe there is a difference in the two. And I believe the difference is, one, I'm racing for the win. And two, I did that because I was pissed. And we know as well as anybody that's not the mentality that you need to have when you're in a race car. You are in a 3,500-pound deadly weapon. If you're not able to hold your cool, then that's about like somebody who runs into a building with a gun and doesn't understand that you may have to use it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, have, to, you, you have to be aware of what you are doing. If you go off into a deadly situation with a gun, you better know how to use that fucking thing because if you don't, you're probably going to wind up in chalk, right? So you're, if you're a driver of that race car, you've got to be in control at all times. Even in temper tantrum, you still have to be in control. And Denny called Chase for what it really was. It was a temper tantrum. It was. Yes, it was. You don't have to race on me. We have seen this. From Chase, as we've seen it from Bubba, it is very interesting that both of these drivers who have gotten away with murder in the past has now been given a discipline. And I think that this discipline actually helped Bubba Wallace. It calmed him down. Because when Big Bill sat down and told everybody on Days of Thunder about the whole uh, the lettuce, the Japanese lettuce inspection, I think we all kind of understood then that there was a time where NASCAR said, hey, you may be Dale Earnhardt. You may be Jeff Bodine. But as soon as y'all are out of this sport, somebody else gets in your car. And that's what they have to deal with. So these drivers understand when they're disciplined to this to this severe of a penalty that they don't have as much free reign as they thought they did. And this is going to be probably good for Chase Elliott's career. If not, this could be the catapult of, yeah, what happened to the Sunshine Boy. Right, uh, I, I, as somebody who has detested Chase Elliott from day one, I've always felt he was overprivileged, overhanded. The kid's been with Hendrick since he was 15 years old. Uh, you know, Bill Elliott. Uh, not only did he turn his back on Ford once, but he did it twice. One with a Dodge, and the next time with a Chevy. Uh, Chase Elliott should have been a Ford kid because Ford had always backed Bill Elliott before he turned his back. And you know, you want to get into that discussion real quick. Look, I found out that Jeff Gordon was actually supposed to go to Ray Everham. And so the whole reason for getting Bill Elliott was really a last-minute ditch. It was kind of dissimilar to the Dale versus Dale situation where Robert Yates wanted Dale Earnhardt, but instead wound up with Dale Jarrett. Um, you know, it's similar uh, situations that happened that Bill Elliott wound up in a Dodge. that uh, you know, he was a career Ford driver. And so, you know, Chase Elliott, he, he has been the most privileged driver 
uh, in NASCAR for the last 10 to 15 years or however long he's been out. I mean, he can't be pushing 30 yet, is he? I know he started when he was 15, so a 15-year career may seem unimaginable, but with this kid, he's been around that long. So what I'm trying to get to the point that I'm trying to get here is he's old enough to know better. He's old enough to know that he shouldn't do that, and he's been constantly getting away with it for the last two or three years with the incident with Kyle Larson, uh, with uh, the Ross Chastain. And, I mean, it's you know, look, when he was telling Noah Gregson to go whoop up on somebody, that is like the biggest bitch move. Sorry, Ms. Lee. That's a bitch move. If you want to kick somebody's ass, you go kick somebody's ass yourself. Don't don't tell exactly. somebody they should go kick. That, you know, and that's the real character of Chase Elliott right there. It, it is maybe the the uh, Teflon Don has uh, started to be penetrated on Chase Elliott. You know, um, uh, as I as I feel like I'm babbling. Come on, y'all step back in, Miss Lee. No, I I I I can't say that I disagree with you, Chris. You know, he's. You know, encouraging Noah Gregson to go fight his fights. Well, what does that say about Chase? He's a pussy. Right. <laughs> yes, he is. Mr. Bland Chase exactly. Elliott from Dawsonville. <laughs> you know you, you know, know what screwed up about this, though? I guess Dawsonville Pool Room put up a, I think it was a tweet or a Facebook post, one of the two, and somebody caught it. I guess see if it's still up, but I guess uh, – Incident happened. Dawsonville Pool Room put up uh, a post saying that, well, we might have to go looking for a driver next week. And this was before the announcement was made. And when you know Dawsonville Pool Room makes a post like that, you know you're screwed. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, look, I mean, if that's the president we're setting, then so be it. The two drivers that got the penalty are the two drivers that seem to get away with a lot. So NASCAR, no, I'm sure they didn't want to. They they disciplined. Will there be my next question? This is such a great subject. We uh, we seen ratings decline. Does this mean automatically going into St. Louis that we should expect the ratings decline? And uh, will this? Uh, so my question here is: Will this affect next week's race? Ratings-wise. Huh, it could because you don't have uh, – it could because you don't have the face to run the place. <laughs> the face to run the place. Wow. That is so true, man. That is. Like, uh, this is unprecedented. I think I mean, it was unprecedented. We saw for the six weeks he was out with an injury. If you go back, it's never been it's never been the guy getting suspended for wrecking somebody for the win. If you go back to Kyle Busch and Ron Hornaday, you go back to Matt Kansas and Joey Logano, this isn't as unprecedented as everybody seems to make it out to be. And it wasn't even with the Bubba Wallace situation. Now, what the, the issue is, this has become a common occurrence, and I think NASCAR – has tried to nip it in the bud, but when you when you say boys have at it and you allow them to be aggressive in all the other areas, it really does put um, you know a strain on when when they know they can retaliate and when they can't. But uh, hey, the message is obviously clear: NASCAR is not going to put up with uh, right hooking somebody, and it, and with the telltale with the telemetry, that's hilarious. <laughs> Denny Hamlin, like, wasted no time to get that out of there. I don't even think the race was over yet. I think he was 
I think he tweeted that from his motorhome. Well, you know, and and, and again, I I raise I raise the question of, you know, just how much of an influence is the design of these new cars, like I like I mentioned earlier, and how about how you don't have as much room and as much time to react in situations where you get drifted or you're drifting. Hmm. I mean, you so know, you we, know the, we, we know from the telemetry that Chase's was intentional. But what about yes. some of the other accidents that happened or incidents that happened the race where you know guys just did not have the room or the the time to react when the person next to them either got drifted or was drifting you know i think task can uh, attribute to this so we have a thing called crate racing around here and these crate motors once once if the, there's certain issues that crate motors bring to the table first of all you don't have all that full throttle uh deep motor uh to drag you to the corner so when you lose speed in a crate motor you will drop like a rock uh because it takes a minute to get the to get the rubber band bound up again right and so i think that that's kind of a, an occurrence that you're seeing at the at the cup level because you know, they're already on the tack line, right? Uh, so if you – the moment you let out, of the, let out of the gas, it takes that much longer to build that momentum back up. Um, and I think that that creates a situation where guys don't want to back out until they absolutely have to. I'm not going to lie. I, I was even to the point like, man, these wrecks are just crazy. Like, I've never seen mile-and-a-half wrecks like this, never. Like, this is not – mile and a half racing uh in the gen six car this is completely different style this is almost this is almost like talladega racing right you thought you thought charlotte was kind of like a talladega race uh, i mean with wrecks and cautions yeah cautions breed cautions i understand that but I mean, you know, there, there was a. You go back. Caution flags have been up since the, the inception of this new car, and we can understand it takes minutes to get the guys adapted to it. But these mile and a half speedways have been a lot racier for these guys. These guys have been more close knit. They've been more on top of each other, which cre- has created more incidents, which has created in return more caution flags. I mean, y'all remember Martin Truex Jr. just a few years ago, right? You remember the 328 laps that he led? God, I don't even think we wanted to do a show the next day. <laughs> do you remember that time? Oh, I remember that. The guy, a few years ago. The, the guy went out there and literally led every damn lap <laughs> from dusk till dawn. One of the biggest ass whoopers I've ever seen put on the racers at the racetrack. Uh, that's not the style of racing we're getting at these mile and a half speedways, guys. And a lot of that has to do with the motors. 
and where they are, and everybody's screaming more horsepower. Be, well, or it could be the the package that they that's in these next gen cars, and I'm not talking like motor or anything like that. Like maybe the aero package, because you think about it, um, Auto Club, Las Vegas, like they talked more about drafts at tracks that mm-hmm. aren't really meant for that kind of style racing. And with Charlotte, I can see your point when you mentioned it kind of felt like a Talladega race. Um, unless they had, like, long green flag runs, cars kind of stayed relatively close together for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminded me, really, really, it reminded me of the 90s racing in Charlotte where cars were not spread out over the whole damn racetrack within four car lengths of each other. These, these they, you know, for the most part, these cars were on top of each other. They were racing each other. It was a very racy race. And we got to see that. Like, the production team at Fox has actually gotten better. I think the more we bitch, the actual better content we're going to get. Because I enjoyed them actually working their way through the field. They went in and they told us about the top ten drivers and stuff. And, I mean, I was like, wow, why haven't we been doing this all year? I really felt like their coverage actually stepped it up a notch uh, for this race uh, and actually brought a little bit more information. Maybe they, maybe their their guys are actually watching other production teams, including from Flow Racing all the way up to F1. And 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 hopefully these, uh, uh, these broadcasting companies are committed to bringing a better quality because, look, if they can sell that F1 race on the last lap, then, then we can do a lot better at selling NASCAR as an exciting sport because we had some exciting damn racing uh, this past weekend. And I've yet to even mention that Ryan Blaney finally broke his 59 race uh, uh, streak, a winless streak. How about that? Hey, he had every right to show the emotions that he had. Absolutely, I was I was thrilled for him. It's about time he finally broke out. He's had hey. strong car. He's always had strong cars. It was just a matter of putting the pieces together to finish the job. I mean, yeah, he's won races in the past, but I feel like um, in these last fifty nine races, he's had strong cars, just didn't have all the tools to finish the deal. I mean, he drives for Penske for crying out loud. He's not, he's not an underfunded team. Um, maybe Ryan Blaine has not been as talented as what we uh, gave him credit for in the beginning. Or, and I, and, and I believe this is the truth. We even seen Brad Keselowski have subpar years. Uh, even Rusty Wallace had subpar years uh, at Penske Racing. So, you know, the, the, definitely Ryan Blaine had 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 everything he needed all year long. Look, the guy who was second in points, right, at the uh, at the breakoff last year at the end of the chase, he was the only driver to make it in on points uh, based off of because of Kurt Busch's injury. Um, so the guy has had the car to win. He just hasn't been able to capitalize on it. To see him that emotional in victory lane almost made me believe that he was darn near giving up on himself, right? And I wonder if a lot of that may have to do with the, you know, I know he signed a big contract 
uh, to keep him in Penske for a few more years. But uh, these guys want to they want to know what their future is two years in advance, right? I mean, we've seen this already with Tyler Reddick signing up the contract two years in advance. So I think a lot of that was already weighing on his mind of what his value was going to be and what his future could be if he couldn't seem to find a way to win. I think one of the best organizations, there's three top organizations right now uh, in NASCAR, and Penske's one of them. And, uh, you know, there's just no way to believe um, that he hasn't, you know, had the opportunity to win. And he capitalized on that and didn't just capitalize on He gave the captain something he's never had before. So not only was he able to break out of a winless streak, but he gave the captain something he's never had before, and that was that was a, a, a sweep of the weekend, right? The Indy 500 win and the Coca-Cola 600 win. So no matter what, yeah. Ryan Blaney will be forever etched in stone at the captain's office as somebody who brought something to the table that nobody else has been able to do before. That's going to be a good thing for Ryan Blaney down the road. Uh, we've seen, if you believe for every minute that Brett Keselowski left Penske because he wanted to go create his own team and all this, you're crazy. The truth be known, Brad left because he was getting outseated. There was the next talent already ready. There was no deal. There was no deal at Joe Gibbs. That is just how, you know, if you go back to Cars 3, Kyle Petty comes out of the holler and says, you know, he, he, he tells Lightning McQueen that you don't decide when you leave the sport. They decide for you. And that's the same situation. So, you know, that's why we've seen these owner-drivers. I've mentioned that here before. These owner-drivers, uh, like Denny Hamlin, Tony Stewart, Brad Keselowski, they're trying to control the end of their career because now they're not as valuable as they were before, but they still have a valuable asset. And a lot of that is the money that they've made over the years and are able to reinvest in these companies and get it at a time right now where ownership is cool. We were from the decades of there was only a few owners that knew how to win in this business, and everybody else was a revolving door. Right, Ms. Lee? Right, Ted? I mean, you guys have been right. for a long time. Don't even have me up here starting to name names of companies that are no longer around, like Gen Racing, MB2 Racing. Um, um, you know, uh, go back all the way to June Dunlavey and I, Bud Moore, of course. You know, those guys, they never won. They, once they were to a certain age, you know, the team, the team disappeared. Uh, I don't think we'll have a Dave Marcus in this sport, uh, in, in this generation. And so that, that, that gets these guys to, uh, uh, to reinvest it all. And I think that we've somehow found ourselves off topic over here. Well, what, what, where, where are we at? I think all right. Well, talking- we're talk, talking about incidents at the track. How about Eric Almarola shoving Bubba? Well, that's a good one. Did y'all that that is that. a very good topic. I did, and I also thought what Denny Hamlin had to say about it. And believe it or not, Denny Hamlin was uh, he was saying Bubba just needs to calm down a little bit. Quit putting himself in bad situations. He's had, what, five top five finishes in the last five races? Um, and everybody's focused on what he's doing outside the car instead of what he's doing inside the car. Very right. interesting take from the driver owner. Well, I want to ask one question. Y'all saw the uh, NASCAR official that broke that up real quick. I think mm-hmm. that was the same guy that separated Gregson and Chastain. 
is this guy like everywhere or what? <laughs> uh, maybe he's the guy NASCAR calls upon when they know there's going to be uh, some throwdown situations happening. I don't know, but I I just, I just thought that was pretty funny. What's that old I'd WWE thing bringing the SmackDown? Hmm. If we can get that guy's name, we'll do everything we can to get him on the show because I guarantee he'd generate some listeners. That would just be great. Just trying to figure out how, how he knows where to be. <laughs> exactly. Follow the beef train. <laughs> My goodness. But, yeah, so there was an altercation between Eric Amarola and Bubba Wallace. And maybe one of you guys can better inform me of what that altercation was actually about. I don't think Denny really hit much on it. I really – I'm Bubba, what's it called, Bubba tired. Like, I, I'm exhausted with the – you know, like, like what Denny said, I'd really much rather be talking about uh, the good run that he's been on versus all this middle finger shit and – uh, whatever the hell else, uh, the altercation with him and Eric Amarola. Um, if Eric Amarola feels the need to stand his ground, by God, you know, let him do it. You know, thank goodness it was, uh, well, I'll just leave that comment alone. But, uh, well, you know, you know, I mean, Eric, Eric is not known to be a hothead. Okay. But according to what Eric had to say, he said that he was basically trying to give Bubba all the space he could and during one passing episode and on the next lap I guess Bubba flipped him off so during the rain (laughs) delay Eric went over there to ask him you know why were you flipping me off and apparently according to what Eric said Bubba started cussing him out and you know, getting getting aggravated with him, and Eric said he had enough and said he wasn't going to put up with it and pushed him. That's Eric's side. Bubba basically blew it off. <laughs> of course, right. <laughs> so you know, it's like I said, Eric is not known to be a hothead, so he had to have been plenty pissed. So I'm sure he was just confused. I tend, like, I tend to believe. That? I I tend to believe what Eric <laughs> has to say because again, he's not known as a hothead. We know Bubba is. <laughs> but what's so bad about getting the finger? Why do people get so mad about getting the finger these days? Uh, he wasn't mad. He just went. He he went to ask him why, because he said he was trying to give him all the room he could. Yeah. All he wanted was a simple I, explanation. I, I don't think he seemed yeah. offended. He was just I trying to figure know. out why, because like, because Amarola had his side of things. But I agree with Denny. Bubba needs to figure out how to chill his attitude down because, um, his out of the car attitude versus in the car attitude is. Just, I feel like his out-of-the-car attitude is starting to rub off to him when he's inside the car. And if Bubba, and obviously if Denny's speaking out about it, either Denny's trying to really care about Bubba so he can keep him long-term, or Denny's going to 
or if Bubba keeps doing what he's doing, then he's going to start giving them the boot. Well, you know what? And, and you know, I, I hate to bring this up, but all of the other crap that Bubba's been involved in, if he wants to be taken seriously, he really needs to check his attitude. If he wants to be taken seriously as a NASCAR driver, he needs to watch his actions outside of the car, like this incident. You know, he, you know, like you said, Denny said, look at what he's doing in the car, not outside of the car. But Bubba's got to be cognizant of what he does outside of the car how that reflects on his perception, how people perceive him. Don't you, you know, think that the old Bubba was a very likable guy and this new Bubba really kind of sucks? Yes. If you go back, if you go back to his truck series career, even when he was the development driver for Rash Racing, crying out loud. He was a likable guy. He always made you smile. You know, he always had the right things to say in victory lane or when he was being interviewed. But it just it seemed like this whole fiasco that happened in 2020 really just changed his whole, uh, you know, perception of his career. Look, and, and let's not forget that there could be blood between those two, right? There could still be some bad blood between those two. Bubba did replace Eric Amarola when Eric broke his back and kind of, you know, it, it, it cost him his ride. We kind of knew almost immediately that RPM was going to stay with Bubba, even if Eric come back, that it was probably going to eventually be Bubba's ride. And somehow or another, you know, Danica Patrick steps away from racing at the right time, and Eric Amarola takes the Smithfield sponsorship with him over to the 10 car. Yeah, so I, I, I don't. There, there could be bad blood going between these two for a long time. Well, that that could be, but but honestly, I and I don't know Eric personally, okay. But I don't see him as that type of person. I could be very wrong, but I don't. He doesn't come across that way. You know, he's always come across as a quiet guy, you know, and, and Eric's been a likable guy himself. Uh, Bubba's kind of been aggravated here for the last few years. Definitely not the same Bubba uh, that I feel like he was when he first came around and was getting into the sport. Um, you know, of course, uh, the pressure of his career uh, probably has a lot to do with that, and, and he suffers depression and all. So I wish we could just get back well, more to you know what? Bubba that likes to play the yeah. drums and smile in front of the camera. And be and be a positive leadership for this sport instead of constantly uh, having all the negative stuff come out. I, I think in a way I've always been this way. Once I see the world turn against something, I kind of don't want to be on that same side. So I feel like I've taken up for Bubba here lately more than what I have in the past because it's just such an easy thing to do to harp on what Bubba did this week. And, you know, we have so many great storylines. Like, for the last two years, guys, we've had great storylines. Like, every week, it's unpredicted of what we may have to talk about next week, right? 
Like, who would have thought going into this week that we would have Chase Elliott suspended by NASCAR? Who the hell would have come up with that on Monday's headlines today? Huh? Nobody. So the sport is giving us plenty. Like the NFL, there's plenty of storylines all year long when they're playing the game and even when they're not playing the game. That's what makes the NFL so important. These storylines, every single one of them, are important. But Bubba can do better at bringing a positive light to his career instead of always the negative side of things. And if he's flipping people off out there, you know, if I got into a fight every time somebody flipped me off, do you realize these days that you can have road rage and come out and not even really do anything and still be the dead person laying in the front seat? You know, there are crazy people out there is what I'm trying to say. So if he's flipping you off, and, and, and you, first of all, I did not realize this, but I, I, I believe Denny kind of said this. Just because they're all in this garage together, just because they're all race car drivers, does not mean that they're all friends. Did you guys know that? They don't hang out with each other. Their money separates them. And I think that that's something that's different from this day and age racer versus the racer 30 or 40 years ago. Now they all have their big mansions and yes men everywhere around them. Back then, they were a fraternity. They, they were a bond of brothers. That's no more. So, so we are seeing all of these storylines created for one specific thing. These guys are not buddies anymore. The days of Dale Jr. inviting all these drivers over to his crib and playing in the swimming pool together? No, no. Uh-uh. Too much money involved, too many yes men, too many people that are not going to – they can't stand in the same room together. Look at Joey Logano for crying out loud. The most hated guy in the garage, probably the most likable guy on TV. What's up, Miss Lee? Now, I I I have to agree with, with what you said about how Bubba can be a positive influence for the sport. He's he's got to take ownership of that. I I think, you know, if he took everything that he's gone through through the past however many years he's been in the sport and just embraced that role as being a positive influence for the sport, for black kids wanting to get, get into the sport, rather than portraying himself as a victim. I I think that would be a good thing for him and for NASCAR. Somebody needs needs to sit that boy down and steer him in the right direction. Well, and I think part of that comes with that's the difference in those who earn it and those who it was just given to. Bubba, Bubba, honestly, all this fame and fortune was given to him, and he didn't earn it. Yeah, fortunate enough, he has enough talent to keep himself relevant, and that's something that's just what it is. Hopefully the next driver of different uh, ethnicity or color um, comes along and, and, and does a better, you know, it's like Danica Patrick. Danica could only bring so much to the table because of where they started in their career. Both has been around racing, and I'm not saying he doesn't have the experience behind him, but he wasn't necessarily, you know, the Lewis Hamilton of NASCAR, and that's fine because guess what? The Lewis Hamilton and NASCAR is still out there, and he's going to come along, and it's all because of Borders and Seth that's 
uh, drivers like Danica Patrick and Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace, it's, it's those barriers that they've been able to break to get where they are. Let's not forget Eric Amarola is a Cuban national uh, a, a driver. Like, he's he's of Cuban descent. Daniel Suarez right. is of Mexican descent. But none of these issues ever mean anything. There's no uh, hate on Mexicans in NASCAR. There's no hate on Japanese in, in, in NASCAR. But for some reason – a couple of dumbass fans want to make people believe that Bubba Wallace is hated because he's black. That's not the damn case. That's not it. Oh no. And I think that absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't dislike Bubba because he's black. I dislike his attitude. I period. <laughs> Bubba was a likable guy. It's, he it, was. It's his, it's, it's his Chase Elliott attitude that, that has everybody rub wrong. But yet, that's the parody of this, right? Chase Elliott put on a pedestal for how he acts, and everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon to ridicule Bubba for how he acts, even though, to be honest with you, they're the same guy, just in two different skin tones. I, I I could I I could really go into this, but I'm I, I I'm going to boil it down to this. I can't stand stupid. Doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what you declare as, whatever. I don't do I don't do stupid. Stupid is what stupid does. Exactly. Let's move on. How about Indianapolis? Did anybody watch the Indy 500? I did catch the end of it. It was a good race. I believe it was as well. Some uh, unforeseen cautions. Like normally, uh, there's one or two cautions in that race. There was actually, I think, four or five this time. We had uh, what we would call a green, white, checker flag. Uh, in IndyCar, the first time ever, I believe uh, Penske, Roger Penske in the interview, said that he forgot that he was the track owner. Uh, in that situation, he was only focused on being a car owner. Um, I, it, are you funny. not surprised that they made that kind of call when they did? I mean, Erickson was going for his second Indy 500 win. I can feel that he feels like it was stolen from him. In past incidents he would have been declared the winner. How do you guys feel about Indy kind of just changing the rules up there? Uh, to It was in the benefit of the fans. Let's, let's remember that. But how do you guys feel about, I mean, baseball, you just don't change the rules. NFL, you don't just change the rules. How do you guys honestly feel about that kind of rule breaking there at the end? This is, you know, it, you go to the Formula One situation and there was the race director was fired. For, for the for the situation that happened in the last race of the season uh, with the Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, where they were racing all the way down to the la- to the line for the championship, and there was a call made there that was uh, argued and eventually lost. The man lost his job because of it. Here we are, the Indy 500, the greatest uh, spectacle on earth, um, and and just at the drop of a hand, they changed the rules. What do you guys feel about that? First of all, Marcus 
whined. I agreed with some of what he had to say, but he whined about it. That grated my nerves. But I was in complete and total shock that they did what they did. I was like, there's no way. They never do this. But it made for an exciting end. And I, my thought was, Indy's never done a green-white checkered like NASCAR does. But that's exactly what it was. Was it the it right really call? Was. It, it, it was. I, you know, was it the right call? Um, you know, I'm sure diehard indie fans are all complaining that, no, it shouldn't have ended this way. But as a NASCAR fan, I'm like, heck yeah. You know, so it was, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it was the right call or not, but I thought it made for an exciting end to the race. Did it officially become the Indy 501? And did they actually go farther? They did complete one extra lap, right? So it technically was the Indy 502 and a half? I don't know. Sounds like you're rewriting a movie sequel. <laughs> naked Gun. <laughs> was that Naked Gun three and a half or something? <laughs> I believe it's I mean, not my wife I mean, now. I mean, that was, well, if you think of, if you think about it, go back to uh, the animated Lion King uh, movie series where you had Lion King one, Lion King, or you had the Lion King, then you had Lion King two, then all of a sudden you had Lion King one and a half thrown in there. Wow. I feel like you're rewriting a movie sequel. So it is official news that Josh Berry is going to SHR, correct? I mean, that did officially come out, right? It's not official by Stuart Haas nor Josh Berry. It's been it's only been reported by the Athletic that it's more the Athletic basically report is reporting that it's a done deal, but nothing's been officially announced. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, what about Zane Smith, guys? Zane Smith had a heck of a run, right? Uh, should we be talking about him as the next free agent uh, that should drop somewhere? And since we're talking this second, let's go ahead and bring John Hunter Nemechek, who finished second in the uh, uh, in the Xfinity race. Um, trying to pull up Xfinity results. I think, I mean, in my honest opinion, I personally feel like if we're going off of top Xfinity process prospects right now um josh barry obviously is the one guy right now uh john hunter nemechek i believe is next in line uh i do believe he needs another year in xfinity before moving up to cup full-time we always think that we always think that 
drivers need another year experience wherever they're at before they move up. But the team owners don't look at it. The development teams, whatever, that make those decisions, they don't think like that either. Because I've been saying for ages since I started watching ARCA that they move these kids up way too soon. And a lot of the names... A lot of, yeah, exactly. A lot of the names that I've followed that I have personally interviewed or spoken with as they're moving up through the through the ranks, they get moved up and then they go absolutely nowhere. There are exceptions. Ben Rhodes, you know, he's done very well in the truck series. But he's staying in the truck series. Right. You know, he's not, I'm not saying that he does not want to move up, but he knows that, you know, he needs experience at that level before he can make that kind of move. For Another top prospect to mention is Austin Hill. There's a Casey. <clears throat> oh, for sure. Re- real quick, for every Casey Kane, there's also a Casey Atwood. Let's always remember that. Great uh, point, Taz. Uh, Austin Hill. Almost, I mean, it's, it's Austin Hill may be the most underrated driver in the Xfinity series uh, talent-wise. Um, you know, Richard Childress may have to make a, a, a pretty big decision uh, where, to, where to put this kid and where, how, where to take him to. Either uh, because, expand uh, to the third card either expand to the third car that Tyler Reddick was supposed to be in this year, but is not, obviously. Or he's just going to hold Austin Hill down. Austin Hill's going to be like, hey, I'm going to find a better opportunity. See you later. Yeah, and that, that could be detrimental to his career, right? Uh, at least Josh Berry is going to be a team that's supposed to be a top-notch team. Now, my question is, at what point in time with the success of RFK, we want to talk about them as well, uh, leading up. Um, with the success that we've seen from RFK and uh, what is the other two-car team? Oh, yeah, 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 Track House. These guys, do you think they're at a certain advantage? This is a really good question here. All right, and let's bring y'all back in because uh, I really – I felt this past weekend as I was watching the race, and, you know, I'm always thinking about what the next storyline is and whatnot, whatever. So I've been looking at the success of Track House. I'm looking at the new success that I want to – I mean, we're almost there. We can almost brag about RFK. We don't want to jinx RFK because we know that they made tremendous strides, but they're just – they're knocking on the door like Brad Keselowski. Like, that guy was going to have a top three finish through, what, 60, 60% of that race, and then it all just kind of came on feathers for him. Um, and that, that's what happens. Like, but he, he was there, and he looked really good, and he was running in the top five the entire beginning of the race. Um, and, and worked his way back through the field as well and put himself back in contention before, of course, but as I said, all the feathers come off the bird. Um, but uh, are these teams at a specific advantage being a two-car operation? I know, like, notes-wise, if they, they've got to be in a disadvantage because they don't have as many, uh, of course, they don't have as many people working for them. But at the same time, We've always felt like this four-car theory, right? The fourth car is the, the garbage car. That's the car that all the leftovers go to. 
So does that leave these two car teams at an advantage because they're not having to overproduce things? And in this day and age where they're not really building the car or anything, they're they're basically just p- putting it together and trying to figure out what way to mold that into their own car. Um, it, has that made it a beneficial to be just a two-car team in this new age? Uh, I'll start with you, Ms. Lee. I absolutely think it is an advantage because you don't have to spread your people so thin. You don't have to spread your money so thin. Um, I, I, I think it definitely does give them an, an advantage. And this plays into something that, that I was thinking earlier while we were talking about Blaney and Penske is that Penske has the three cars, but there's not there's not a redheaded stepchild so much like there is at Gibbs. And, you know, I, I, I watched this. I, you know, I watched Joey Logano come up and come through Gibbs. And when he mm-hmm. was on their cup team, he was the redheaded stepchild. And I feel like that every year there has been somebody at Gibbs who's been a redheaded stepchild. And I don't think you don't see that with these two-car teams because they can devote enough time and attention to both of them. And, again, like I said, they're not spread so thin, their money's not spread so thin, that they can really give them the attention they deserve to do their best with and for them. So technically, there's three there's three two car teams that are that are worth mentioning, and that is well four right. Uh, let's do let's do Richard Childress Racing. Let's do um, uh, um, of course Track House. Um, let's do uh, RFK um, Denny Hamlin twenty three eleven and yeah twenty three eleven right. And now of course Front row, Colleague, Spires. I mean, I know those are lower teams, but, I mean, Legacy is kind of a two-car team if you think about it. But colleagues only got the one full-time cup car. No, they got two. Right? They got two. They're both full-time? Yeah. Okay. The 13 car is their part-time car that Davenport raced at. Uh, Bristol for the dirt race. I think it was used for one or two other races after that. I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay. But um, in my case, I think having a two-car team is an advantage in some aspects because it could be in the disadvantage of the money in a sense, because you're not as strong uh, as four-car teams, per se, because the money's just not there, but maybe they're managing their money differently, which could play as their advantage. Um, And depending on the team's vision, um, with two-car teams, you can place some money more in one versus the other. Like, if you look at 
RFK and look at Brad Keselowski. Part of the reason why he joined Roush and merged with him is because he obviously saw talent in Chris Busher and he needed some guidance, some help, because it seemed like Busher just wasn't having it. And while, yes, Keselowski is improving in his own end, it seems like he's bringing Busher with him. It's not like I agree. It's not like Keselowski's putting all the eggs in the basket and just him. He's actually spreading it out to where if Keselowski's noticing, oh, hey, I'm I'm improving in um, category A, B, and C, but the other cars are only improving in category D. Where can I improve that second car? Because obviously that driver is a long-term investment versus me. So where can we improve on that aspect? And it seems like he's got it. If you look at track house, and I'm not putting any point, and I'm not pointing any fingers on driver talent here, but I feel like with track house, um, you look at how well Ross Chastain's doing. You look at the success of Suarez. Chastain has had more success and stuff like that, and it seems versus Suarez, and it seems like you could tell the big difference between the two cars. So I feel like it's just a matter of how is the two-car team really stealing their money or where are they really investing, is how I should say. Look at 2311. It feels, at first, we all thought it was all Bubba Wallace, right? And then Kurt Busch started coming around. And then, obviously, Kurt Busch got injured with his concussion, never came back. Ty Gibbs came in, and Ty Gibbs didn't really do much of anything. It could be the lack of knowing the car um, or the pressure of running two series at once. Now you look at it as, okay, now you have Bubba Wallace and you have a basically starting to prime uh, Tyler Reddick in the Cup Series. So now, and it seems like Tyler Reddick, while Bubba Wallace has the mon- the funding and sponsorship big time behind him, it seems like Reddick's got the performance deal where the 45 is performing better than the 23, I feel like, in most weeks. And For sure. Now, now we got to sit here and think of this when the, with the two-car teams. Or, um, can this – can the money aspect keep going with the two-car teams or – are they going to fall into the shoes of, say, like JTG Doherty, who, remember, at one point they were two – that team was a two-car team. Then they lost the charter, still two cars, mm-hmm. but they lost the charter. And then and then the year after they lost the charter, they basically said, well, we're just going to get rid of the car in general. Yeah, I think NASCAR is to the point now where we're going to have to add 40 chargers. If we want to see expansion in the Cup Series and we want to see RFK turn into a three-car team, Denny Hamlin turn into a three-car team, uh, Dale Jr. get to Cup, you know, a JTG able to get another uh, – uh, turn into another two-car team, we're going to have to have – we're going to have to have more charters. And that's going to devalue those that have charters. And I think that's the holdup. And – where NASCAR's really in a 
you know, they're, only in the last four or five years have these charters actually been worth anything, right? I mean, Adam, what was his name? Adam Levine, Adam Devine, Devine, whatever his name was, that, that owned the uh, uh, 23 BK racing team, BK team or whatever. You know, he was in court saying, literally, you're taking the value and you're not understanding what the value of my company is. Front Row paid like a million dollars for that charter. But he was in the courtroom saying, look, we're on the verge of these charters being worth a whole lot of money. And he was right. And that's the reason why he was trying to hold off bankruptcy for a couple – for at least another year so that the value of the charter system could actually have a chance to take off. Now, when you start adding more charters, what are you doing? You're devaluing the the uh, the, the, the previous own charters. So I think that that's a holdup. But look, guys, either we're going to turn into a two-car series, or these other teams are going to see that that they cannot grow without a charter. I, I'm kind of at a loss here of what we would really do. I, I have noticed the uh, resurgence of two-car teams. You know, that was that was kind of a go-to. That was Richard Childers, Andy Petrie. Even Joe Gibbs was a two-car team for a really long time, not a three-car team. Um, so, well, you know, all the three- and four-car teams, that, you know, that's been the go-to factor. Now. But Penske, a top-level number in my top three teams, they're, 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 they're only a three-car team with, uh, with a good uh, uh, resource association with uh, Wood Brothers. Yes, Ms. Lee. Well, I what I was going to bring up was, but you know, with adding or adding charters or whatever. What about the underfunded teams? You know, our backliers every week. Uh, Rick Ware Racing, EJ McLeod and his team. You know. If you add more charters, is that going to make it easier or harder for them? Right. You know, it's already almost outpricing them. Now, you put, now if you put in more charters, it could be harder for new owners to come in too, because if you think about it, there's already 36 charters, but you can only have 40 cars in a, in a cup field at most. Yeah. And we already see how the Daytona 500 plays out when you have, when we have uh, 42 to 46 entries a year. So, I mean, teams like say, ah, uh, shoot. I don't want to say Tinny Hill Motorsports, but, but you guys know what I'm talking about with that deal. I mean, they put it one year. They put in two cars, and both of them failed. Yeah, MBM, uh, Carl Long's company. You know, look, and Rick Ware, he has two two charters. BJ McLeod, they have a charter. But one thing I think we're forgetting here is 36 is still 36, right? And it doesn't matter who owns the charter; somebody's going to be running 36, correct? Somebody's going to be that last place car, even if it's a big name driver, uh, the owner uh, that has the fourth or fifth charter. You know, uh, somebody's still going to run that. So uh, it's kind of better to leave the last ten cars in a completely a whole nother 
uh, competition level, right? I mean, that's right. Am I wrong? Because why would I invest into a four-car team when two of my cars are going to run outside the top 25? Well, you make a valid point on that. Um, I guess I'll have to make my point when I get to the power rankings, I guess. All right. Sounds good. So let's bring in one more topic. Taz, do you have a topic or Miss Lee, do you have a topic at hand that y'all want to bring to the table? Adam Stern didn't um, post uh, what the NASCAR ratings were this past weekend, but he did say that NBC Sports says that Sunday's Indy 500 averaged 4.92 million viewers on NBC and Peacock, up 2% from last year. Yeah, uh, and I will say that part of that is cut the cord, to cut the cord, people. Um, uh, and, you know, IndyCar, I think, depending on weather, it really has a big factor on whether or not people uh, tune into the IndyCar race. And weather was just absolutely beautiful on the Midwest side and, and of course, in our area. But the East Coast, where most of the people live, I've, my understanding, it's been – Terrible weather this past week. Am I correct with that? Well, look at all the rain delays we had this weekend. Uh, yeah, New York didn't who, really get hit with any weather or any bad weather. We got hit with the nice sunshine and everything else. I mean, dirt tracks were kind of struggling how to keep moisture into the tracks this past week. Wow. And we're still dealing with that problem. That's a good problem to have, especially for y'all there. Uh, man, I'm trying to think if there was a good fight or anything I've seen. Uh, <laughs> but we did, but there was a stat I did share. Um, actually, a couple stats. So, Ryan Blaney obviously snapped a 59 race winless streak in route to the win. His 163 laps led are the most he's led in a single race. This was his also first crown jewel win. And it's the first time, and I'm sure we've mentioned this, but I'll say it again. It's the first time Team Penske has won the Indy 500 and the Coke 600 in the same weekend. That was cool was- for the captain. It was. Yes, it was. Sorry about the dead air time there. <laughs> All right, so I guess that can roll us right off into power rankings if there's no other um, hot topics to discuss. Um, I'm trying to think of any other storylines that uh, that they left us with. Oh, one of the things that I did hear um, on the Denny Hamlin podcast, first of all, is that not the hottest podcast right now uh, going? Um, I, did you guys – Taz, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of thinking you caught the podcast. I did not catch the podcast this week. Not yet, anyways. Wow. I tell you what, DBC is taking a significant hit because I don't have much time for as many podcasts as I want to listen to. 
but I have put Penny Hamlin at the top of my chart, similar to what I have done with DBC over the last couple of years, just because I think it's more interesting hearing from the driver's mouth than the spotter anytime. Uh, nothing lacking from a DBC. Their shows a lot different. Penny Hamlin is a lot more informative with what's what's from the driver's perspective of things. And uh, there's been so much storyline created with the Ross Chastains and the Chase Elliotts and and uh, of course the Denny Hamlins that uh, definitely kept me coming back each week, ready for the next drop. Uh, <laughs> I hope that uh, people are doing the same for our pod drop. Uh, they can't wait to hear it. Um, and, and they're standing by waiting on it to come out. So um, if we can only have that uh, type of success uh, with our show, that would be uh, wonderful. Uh, so we're coming into power rankings time, and I really believe uh, that this this power rankings this time probably looks nothing like what it was last time. And, and, and um, I did say that. Yeah, I mean, there, there has to be some major changes here, some major shakeups. First of all, one of the first things that I want to see out of this is I want to see RSK moved up a couple of spots here, right, because they definitely deserve to be higher up on the charts. Now, there's tough competition when you're racing those that uh, those class of owners, uh, car owners that uh, were, were racing in that in that tight little bubble there. Um, of course, the top three teams are probably going to be similar to the same top three teams. I think that uh, Craig would have argued uh, Trackhouse should be at that top three level. I no longer consider them a top three team. Uh, I don't know if I was considering them a top three team at that time. I have not seen Taz Taylor's uh, power rankings, and I'm very interested to know where he has ranked these. And I think that if we see anything that we feel like we don't really – I uh, believe is correct kind of where the arguments and uh, discussions will come from as we process to our uh, fan base here. So uh, as I turn it over to you, Mr. Tad Taylor, first of all, thank you for taking the time uh, to, uh, to to do this, right? I mean, it's something – There's uh, one thing that I've noticed from this group is there's certain things that all of you guys have picked up on, and you do it, and you do it really good. And this is one of those things where you've taken something in your own hands, Taz, and you did that with the hot, with the hot pick, and you've run with it. And let me tell you something: for uh, for for content creators, you you are you are there. You understand what it takes to make something uh, enjoyable. Uh, it's it takes a little bit more time to do, and it's you know it's a little bit more process than just throwing stuff out there and talking about it. And with that. I, I commend you, and I appreciate the value that you bring to this show uh, by doing little skits and stuff like this. So, without further ado, Taz Taylor, let's get to the Tasmanian Power Rankings. All right. So, from the last Power Ranking, which is all the way back in January, yeah. how we did it, Chris, how we did it, Chris, was we did four teams in the Proven Winners category, and we took four teams in the most likely category. Everyone else was in the highly questionable. Now, my power rankings may not be what you guys might agree with, but my power rankings are essentially kind of based off how is that team performing on the full-time basis, meaning uh, when you look at the owner standings, how are they performing as a whole 
together. So, like, Gibbs, you have four full-time teams. How are they doing as a whole? Track house, two-car team. I'm not counting the the Project 91 car that they got. Right. Uh, 2311 is the same deal. I'm looking at the 23 and the 45. I don't care about the 67. Um, So I'm looking at the full-time cars. So looking at the average uh, stand... Looking at the average rank, I should say, number one on that list is Joe Gibbs. And we had Joe Gibbs as a proven winner. They haven't moved anywhere. Gibbs and the owner standing, not the driver, the owner standing, has, has right now in the owner standing, they are five, six, and seven, and then 19th. Obviously, 19th is the Ty Gibbs 54. Now, of course, the other three are Hamlin, Bell, and Truex. Next in line, there are two teams with a 10.5 ranking. We had this team in the proven winners category. Unfortunately, no wins yet this year. That's the two-car tandem of Trackhouse Racing. Overrated. Ross Chastain, obviously the one car leads the not only drivers but the owner standings. And then Daniel Suarez and the 99 team are sitting at 20th. Now, if you want to keep going with the top four that I have, we had this team as a highly questionable team. And, Chris, you should know where I'm going with this one because you mentioned them and you wanted them to move up. Well, they moved up big time because they also have a 10.5 ranking. The six car sits ninth in the owner standings, and the 17 car sits 12th in the owner standings. That's wow. right, RFK. Wow. Now, you may not think they're proven winners, and I don't. And if you want to look at wins category, they're not right there. I would say they're in the contenders part of it. But if you just look at overall performance as a team, they're they're really starting to knock on the door. Quietly, but they're coming. And, of course, the other team that sits in the top four, we had them as proven winners, and it should be no surprise, is Hendrick Motorsports. I They're sitting at an 11.3. Uh, 3rd, 11th, 15th, and 16th is where they sit in the owner standings. Uh, and I believe them sitting at number four right now kind of makes sense because you had the Chase Elliott injury that hurt them. Yes, Josh Berry did well at that time, but in a sense, they kind of hurt team, they had to hurt team morale in some sort of way, right? Or throw right. team routine off. Bowman, same deal. You had that happen. Then you had the penalties that were involved, regardless if they got overturned or not. And then now you have the and now you have the most recent penalty announced where Chase Elliott, you know, suspended for a week. So I feel like penalties and injuries are hurting Hendrick this year as an organization. Good, good, good eye on that, Taz. Way to point that out, Hendrick. We want to put them with it based off the wins of where they are categorically. 
but they're actually further behind this year, and a lot of that has to do with consistency amongst their drivers because uh, some of them have been out for so long. So, uh, you know, it's definitely not easy on a team. I mean, you, you add in Josh, Josh Berry's stats, and, I mean, they're pretty good, but uh, considering the caliber of drivers uh, that were in those seats, uh, you expected better finishes, I guess, from them. So, in a way, Hendrick has lost uh, a couple of, at least a couple of points uh, based off of, uh, you know, the fill-ins that they've had because of uh, uh, unforeseen circumstances. Um, my, my real question here, of course, would have to be where Penske would land uh, on this uh, graph and why they would not be considered um, one of the top three teams in the Cub Garage uh, based off of, first, you know, first of all, consistency, and second of all, I mean, it's Roger Penske for crying out loud. I mean, you know, that's uh, it's kind of hard to leave. I mean, I understand Ford has had their issues this year, but is this a Ford issue or is this a lack of competition? I mean, where if if Penske is not in the top three, then where is Penske? All right, so we have Gibbs at number one, Trackhouse and RFK tied for two and three, Hendrick at four. So if we go down to five, so those if we go off of our, I guess our last power ranking, those four would be in the proven winners part. So the next part would be the most likely. 2311's in that category, and that's the first team there at number five that I have them. Eighth and 17th right now in the owner standings. They could, they have a little room to work with to move up. But being that they started off a little weak, but still being right there, uh, I I think that's a good, that's still a good uh, point for them right now. Penske, on the other hand, that's my next team on the list, sitting with a 12.7. And here's why I got them a little low, and I believe RFK needs to be high. And this is why I think RFK is higher than them, in my perspective. You know you're making me smile RFK. here, because because RFK means Ralph Racing is the is back to the head stable of the four camp. And I love that idea. Taz Taylor, you sell it to me. Why? Why is RFK better than Penske right now? So, owner standings, as I mentioned earlier, RFK sitting ninth and twelfth, only has one car out of three of them sitting above both RFK cars, and that's the Ryan Blaney number twelve machine. They're sitting. That team is sitting second in the owners' points. And you sit here questioning yourself. Well, where's the, where's the twenty-two? Where's the two? Well, the 22 team sits 14th in the owner standings, which is underneath Chris Busher in 12. And Sindrick in the number two cards, they're 22nd. So I feel like Logano's struggles this year is hurting the team as a whole. And Sindrick is just obviously not there. Miss Lee, Miss Lee, do you see how our previous subject? Uh, the two-car team has now made its way into power rankings. Can you believe this, Ms. Lee? Like, literally, RFK is a stronger organization as a whole in power rankings because they are only a two-car team, which means they are not carrying the baggage of a three-car team. Now, with that right. being said, with that being said, Ms. Lee, I know you're, you're going to go for this one, right? Where does that leave Ricky Spinhouse? 
Well, if Recky had better equipment, maybe. I don't know. He's had a, he's had some time. Hey, hey, Ricky has had a better year this year statistically than I believe his last year at uh, at, at Roush Racing. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe statistically right now, even outside the Daytona 500 win, he has consistently been better this year than what we've seen from Ricky since probably 2015 or before. Well, it's funny you mention Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and the JTG team because you don't know who's next in line on the power rankings. Oh, it's JTG. It's like I read his mind. <laughs> now, we have to do a comparison in this because in this we haven't even I haven't even mentioned the fourth team in this category. Do last time three? we had twenty three. We had hold on. Last time we had twenty three eleven, RCR Legacy Motor Club. There's only one team I've mentioned so far from the from the last power ranking to this one. That's 2311. Penske went from proven winners to down to the most likely category. So, and the number eight spot, Stuart Haas Racing, and they have a 19.5 owner average owner standing. Fourth, 18th, 27th, and 29th. Wow, and I had and I had no choice but to put JTG over SHR because JTG, their one car team, sits higher than three SHR cars. Who's in the twenty ninth? Is that is that Eric Amarola or is that Ryan Priest? That's that's Priest. Oh wow! And Cole Custer probably did a better job. Wow, but I mean Priest has been fast in certain times, but. Uh, when you compare the two, it wasn't Cole Custer. It was the car. And that really is concerning about where Stuart Haas is right now, that they've got to get in funding. I believe I believe we are seeing the unraveling of that race team, and it's unfortunate. Because, uh, Taz Taylor, I know since you've been here, Stuart Haas was in our top three. They were the powerhouse oh, yeah. of the ranking. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember. Oh, definitely. Especially when um... – when the Gen Six first Harvick. came in, when the, when the Gen Six car came first came in, and um, oh yeah, when the Ford Fu- when the Ford Fusion and the Chevy Monte Carlos basically left, and we had the Camaros and the Mustangs, Ford responded better than Chevy did. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, there was a year that Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin won all the races. Yeah. Yes, that was COVID years. Wow. 2020, such a long time ago, right? Holy hell. Do y'all still see people wearing masks? Or do they not tell yeah. you? Like, do you not start asking yourself, are they sick? <laughs> you know, like, dude, did you not get the memo? That shit was over a long time ago. Um, still kind of scary, man. Still kind of scary. The I after see it every day. It's, it's, we are, as a society, we will be studying the effects of the COVID-19 virus on our on our um, uh, on on our daily lives, how it affected our daily lives. We'll be studying that for the next thirty years. As a matter of fact, right now there's kids that are in high school. They're they're going to graduate, and that's going to be their their study that they start, you know, in college. And and we won't even know the, all the results of the impacts 
uh, for for many years later. One day they're going to come out with a commercial that says, "If COVID nineteen hurts you, <laughs> please call this number." Right? And I think we've all been affected by COVID nineteen, so I think we would have COVID nineteen. But anyway, so we're finally to the point to where I didn't even have to do that voice anymore to call it. That that's how far away twenty twenty was. All right, so that was number eight on the power rankings of SHR. Is there anybody there that's kind of surprising um, outside the RFK? Of course, we kind of had expectations for 2311. I believe Trackhouse is a little bit off expectations. Um, we are still looking at Suarez as a 16th to 20th place driver. Uh, Ross Chastain has had a couple of uh, incidents that have kept him out of victory lane. I don't think uh, – as the Watermelon Man so, won this year – I don't think so, I, and I really think no. – I don't ever think he's actually won a mile-and-a-half race before, has he? Uh, it seems like he's only won a super speedway race and maybe a road course. So I'm well – Yeah, I think those were his house is way, way, way overrated. Um, but I've been optimistic about them, so, uh, you know, I understand not everybody's going to see things from uh, my point of you, and you said that they were sharing that second spot with my. Who are they sharing it with? RFK. They're sharing it with RFK as the number two team in the house. Wow. Um, you know, and, and as I said before, if you're a four car team, somebody's in the gutter, right? You're carrying some team in the gutter. Uh, these two car teams seem to be pretty operational. Um, the, one of the things that I think I'm most concerned about is Legacy Motorsports. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, or Legacy Motor Club, I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't. I think they've been kicked out of Chevy meetings, um, and there's no more resources going to them. I think this is a, what, what is it called, a dead mule year, uh, a dead duck, what is it called? Um, a dead duck season or whatever it's called. You know, they're, the they're, they're just there. Season. Yeah, they're just there. And, and it was absolutely horrible to watch – uh, the struggles that Jimmy Johnson went through. I, I'm just, uh, I'm really questioning whether or not Jimmy should be behind the wheel, not because that he can't perform, but man, this is not how we want to remember you. Uh, similar to the way Bill Elliott and Terry Labonte went out the door, uh, Bobby Labonte even. Um, these are, you know, I mean, Bobby Labonte went from, he was, he was at Joe Gibbs, y'all, and then went to Petty. Like, you know, that's, Oh my gosh! Talk about falling off the turnip truck real fast. Um, you know that's uh, we we don't want to see that from Jimmy. He's, he's forever etched in my mind as a seven-time champion and a guy that I couldn't stand because he stunk up the show every weekend. So definitely not seeing him at that level is is almost it's almost heartbreaking. Um, anything else? Where's the Wood Brothers at? Are they even on this map? And colleague racing. I believe Colleague right. Racing so, deserves a big F right now because I expected a whole lot from A.J. Allmendinger and Justin Haley. I thought that those were going to be the combination. Justin Haley had a whole year to improve, and I just feel like the organization actually took a step backwards. Right, yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know that Colleague's foray into Cup was worth it. So we had so so the movers from last time. Back in January to now, um, obviously Penske, we had them as a top proven winner. Now they're a basically a top most likely uh, team because of lack of consistency. 
RFK went from highly questionable to basically knocking on the door proven winner because, I mean, they're right up there consistency-wise. Like I said, they haven't won any races, but they're knocking on the door quietly, but they're right there. We can't count them out as much. We can sit there and say, well, they're not running for race wins all the time. No, but they're right there with the top fives and top tens week in, week out. You can't ignore it. Um, SHR, still in the most likely category, not as high as they were, but they're still there. Um, JTG went from a mid, highly questionable team, so now they're in the most likely category, so there's a mover. There was two teams we had in the most likely category that we haven't even put in the top eight yet, and I'm going to go right here at number nine, and that's RCR. Kyle Bush is carrying the stable, but Rhinestone Cowboy is not roping the not roping the wheel very well. He doesn't have the bull by the horns. And even Kyle's not doing all that great. RCR. Yeah, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where is RCR? Number nine in the ranking. Oh, man. Are we not? I mean, Kyle Bush has two wins. Oh, understanding. Um, Kyle Bush, number 10. Rhinestone Cowboy, 31. <laughs> Serious? Austin Dillon is that crappy this year? But I mean, you they haven't did noticed with that, that yet. They did. They did get hit with a big penalty uh, on the Rhinestone Cowboy team a couple weeks ago that they lost the appeal to. Yeah, uh, that was like a fifty-point penalty, wasn't it? Wow, um, I didn't expect Austin Dillon to be that far back. I didn't know that they were that far. I'll pace it. And you just kind of wonder if I'm always putting the whole farm into uh, in, into that eight card because uh, if they were a one card team, I believe you would probably classify um, RCR at a lot higher level uh, than where we have them at today. Um, they've they've been more successful on paper uh, as an organization than Track House has, not based off of points. Um, that's kind of where the discrepancy starts to come in. Um, but all in all, um, you can see what teams are struggling at the moment as an entirety. I believe we could say that um, dropping uh, like a rock in the sea uh, would be um, Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, I, I thought with the addition of Priest, I thought with the third year of Briscoe and, um, you know, Harvick's couple of wins that he got last year, I, I really thought, you know, Stuart Haas was moving in the right direction. Uh, I've never been confident in double-A battery. Um, he's been uh, – he's always been um, the Walmart brand battery versus uh, a Duracell. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But Stuart, Stuart Haas had a crappy year last year, and from their performance this year, 
they're not getting any better. No, they're not. I mean, if anything's improved, Harvick's gotten more consistent compared from last year to this year, but that's the only improvement they've got. Yeah, it, it makes you wonder how far off the map Ford really is and how much hard work uh, an organization like RFK is really putting in to separate themselves such by such leaps and bounds uh, from the other Ford teams. And it's not just the RFK team. It's almost like Front Row Motorsports has been in tow uh, this entire time as well. Um, where do they sit ranking, um, Taz Taylor, Front Row Motorsports? Because um, I believe Todd Gillian and Mark, uh, Mike, Michael McDowell both had pretty solid years considering the organization. A lot better well, than legacy. They are sitting with a 24 average owner's points ranking. Uh, they are currently in the power rankings, number 10. Oh, wow. Oh, good job. Good job, Front Row Motorsports. Like I said, it kind of feels like RFK and Front Row Motorsports are maybe working on this together. I'll always consider Front Row Motorsports the uh, – um, uh, the, the, If I you want to look further – if you want to quickly look further down, so – I'll recap quick the top ten. So Gibbs number one with a nine point three, tied for second and third is Trackhouse and RFK with a ten point five. Hendrick rounds out the top four with a eleven point three. Uh twenty three eleven and fifth with a twelve point five. Penske in sixth with a twelve point seven. JTG in the seventh spot, thirteen point zero. And number eight is Stuart Haas with a nineteen point five. RCR in number nine with a 20.5 front row motorsports uh, rounds out the top 10 with a 24.0 behind them in 11 with a 25.0 is colleague. Then it's Spire number 12 with a 28.0 wood bros sits behind them with a 30.0. And now we get to legacy motor club with a 30.5. Then it's Rick Ware with a 33.0, and then B.J. McLeod while bringing up the tailgate of the field. Uh, how's it going back there? Yeah, yeah, it's you know it, it's um, beyond disappointing to see that team every week. I know B.J. puts brings the best that he can, but literally he's there waiting on somebody to pay him 13 million dollars to go and go spend his money down at the Xfinity series or something. Um, I'm not sure how much longer this team's going to be able to hang on. Uh, and, and there's no telling what BJ's had to sell to keep things going um, because it is a, a race against time. And whether or not NASCAR actually just comes in and pulls uh, their charter is, is haven't, we haven't seen that yet. And that's what they're struggling for in these owner negotiations uh, with the RTA is to make sure that NASCAR can't come in and just strip you of, your charter, and at the same time, uh, we don't want to see teams become starting parks as they have beforehand, and that's what will happen because no team uh, wants to be that 30th place machine. They don't want to be that 34th place car, and if it's profitable for them to have to do that, if, in other words, if they have to do that, then they're going to find a way to it's the most profitable to do it, and that's a start and park situation. If NASCAR can't just pull your charter at any time that they want to because of performance, then that's going to be a situation where you, you'll have the owners taking advantage of that rule that NASCAR can't take 
their 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 charter. So I can see both ends of that, and we we don't have time to argue it because, believe it or not, it is now time for Taz Taylor's hot picks for the weekend. We're going to St. Louis. Look, I look back on the finishes of this, and uh, I think that we'd be surprised at the parity of uh, uh, how these guys finished at the return to the gateway um, or the inaugural gateway race, however you want to look at it. Yeah, this one, this one's going to be hard. So we're all going to have to collectively do this. Uh, we've only been to gateway once with the cup series. Obviously it was last year. So I really only have last year's rundown. Uh, so obviously Joey Logano won the race last year. Kyle Busch second, Kurt Busch third, Blaney fourth, Amarola the top five, Truex Jones, Chastain Bell, and Almondinger were the top ten. Knocking on the door there was Sindrick, Larson, Bowman, Haley, Austin Dillon. Uh, those are the top fifteen. Reddick, Zane Smith, McDowell, Byron, and Keselowski the top twenty. Well, if we go back yeah, to that, I, I have to go back to that race and look at the top 10 um, in terms of the stages because um, that could be that could be a little bit of a helper, too, in terms of who are the guys to really look for. Uh, let me see here. i got to pull it up right here. Let's see. Top 10 in stage one, Cindric Blaney, Reddick. Hamlin, Chastain, Almarola, Logano, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell. Uh, top 10 in stage two, Kurt Busch, Truex, Kyle Busch, Larson, Almarola, Bell, Suarez, Sir Jones, and Blaney. Uh, I mean, if you look at it this way, <clears throat> it seems like Blaney. Uh, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell could be knocking as favorites, maybe. Um, obviously, I mean, we could throw Logano in there, too, if we wanted. Well, I think you should start at the top. William Byron and Christopher Bell are the two hottest drivers in NASCAR. They're so fine. I'd date them. Oh, my God, I'd have their babies. But outside of that, uh, they are the... Uh, drivers with the most fire on the racetrack. Um, I, it's hard to argue that. Like Christopher Bell uh, was in contention to win until he overdrove the top, which is very interesting that that's been going on. Uh, they they they, they ripped the lip and then uh, can't control it. Um, we've seen that uh, Kyle Larson did it to himself as well. So they are overdriving the car up on the top there, and it's cost them. But um, yeah, Charlotte's always kind of been that that way. Uh, the first time I ever rolled out on I racing at Charlotte, I did two laps. I was like, "Oh hell yeah, this truck feels good." Go went into there the third time, hit the same mark that I hit the two previous laps, and I was up in the fence. And uh, that's how I started my I racing career. So uh, <laughs> probably where it ended too. Uh, <laughs> uh, my kids are a lot better at it than I am. Um, so, but, um, so I can just so I mean, you got those two. Um, 
if I really had to throw it in there, maybe Ryan Blaney. Yes, he's got the momentum of the Coke 600. Last year at Gateway, he was top 10 in both stages and finished top five when it was all said and done. Uh, to throw his name in there, Kyle Busch was in the top 10 for both stages. Um, he finished runner-up last year, so those could be knocked in as favorites if you want to throw where, them where in there. Hold on. Find Tyler Reddick because now I heard you say Kurt Busch, so that automatically made me think Tyler Reddick. Where All right. Tyler Reddick? Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick, third in stage one, did not uh-huh. finish top ten in stage two. Um, he did not finish top ten afterwards. He finished 16th. And that was with the eight card. Okay. So, I mean, a part of me I wonder if like, that was... That was right before. Like I said, I could easily throw Blaney and Kyle Bush into the favorites category. If you want to base off last year. Amarola, I could easily throw in the contenders list with what he did last year. No. I think you replaced Amarola with Harvey. You said Amarillo's running 29th. The guy should have retired. Oh, or, no, he's, he's actually running 26th. I'm sorry. He should have retired already. But Harvick, I can see where they but could use the if you think about Amarillo. It, if you think about it, Chris, Gateway is kind of like a flat track, almost similar to New Hampshire. And Amarillo, yeah. for some reason, does well on these flat tracks. Look he at really New Hampshire. does. That's I can, I can throw him in as a contender, though. Okay. All right. All right. You sold me. Miss Lee, you got a, you got anything you want to throw in? No, I'm good with that. Oh, uh, geez. I don't know. This week is hard on the picks because, I mean, it's not like Talladega hard. It's just that we've only been here one time, so it's kind of like – what can you do here? Do you make Corey LaJoy a contender? Nah, I'd still throw him as an underdog. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Damn. Damn. If damn, it was damn. Like, I mean, if it was like Atlanta or a track he does contend well in, even in underfunded equipment, I would say, yeah, throw him in. Where does Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher fit into this picture? I feel like both of them fit perfectly in the contender role. Contenders, absolutely. I concur. I concur with that. Definitely do. So right now what we have Byron. What we have Byron Bell, Bush, Byron Bell, Bush, Blaney. Wow, all four B's his last names. G's in the favorite category. Contenders, Almarola, Have It Your Way, BK, and Chris Busher. And Corey LaJoy is the only underdog we have on this list. And you were mentioning Bubba Bubba? Logano's a contender. All right. I, I can go with that one. Yeah, he won last year's race, but, hey, he hasn't 
shown recently speed each and every week either. Right. I agree with that. What about Kyle freaking Larson? Oh, you know they're gonna. Th- people are gonna throw him in as a favorite. That's not a question. What about? Bowman? I mean, he did. Spin- did you say Bubba? Bowman. Oh, Bowman. Mm. Bowman the showman. Um. Underdog. Contender. Yep. Underdog. No, underdog. All right, we'll throw him in there. Did you see the guy cough? Couldn't even handle a cough. Um, I want to throw Ty Gibbs in as an underdog after his performance last week. You know what? I fully agree. You know, love him, hate him. The kids... Been pretty consistent. He's starting to feel it, and that was his best race last or yesterday. Oh yeah, before it ended prematurely. He gets us. He does. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm, oh, I'm glad to see. Hey, I'm glad to see him keep his mouth shut and keep his head down and go out there and race some laps. That's how you earn your way in this business, not because you pop out. Ask Austin Dillon how that worked out. So. Yeah, his his crew chief had a talk with him, and his attitude's changed a lot. So I just threw in Tyler Reddick as a contender because of the Kurt Busch deal, and Tyler Reddick did okay with the eight cars. Now, Chris mentioned Hubba Bubba. I can, I'll throw him an underdog. Cause I don't I don't entirely see him as much of a contender. I mean, yeah, he's had decent performances, but once he throws his attitude, it affects his performances. So right now, I think underdog kind of best suits him right now. And this isn't his kind of track either. No. All right. Well, and Tyler Reddick's on this list? Yeah, I threw him in the Austin contender list Cindric? for you. What about Austin Cindric? Throw him in the underdog. Well, if you're throwing Cindric over there, then you might need to put Chase Briscoe there as well. All right, we can throw a sixth underdog. And put Kevin Harvick over there on the contender side. I think we're good. Who did we leave out? Denny Hamlin? They've left out basically the, I mean, half of the Gibbs stable, Hamlin, Truex. But, hey, we've left names off before. That's right. So you kind of figure I'm going to be picking somebody that we didn't name here. That kind of seems to be the way that I roll. I'm trying to give my stuff away. But I tell you what, the curse continues. I pick them, they do the whole <laughs> damn race. They're like, all right, I got a good point today. And then something happens. Well, that's just the way it goes. Look, great fans, we want to thank you all for listening to Race Chat Live. Man, it's good to be back. Um, um, we got a long season still ahead of us. Of course, we're nearly halfway there. 
Uh, just want to thank my partners, uh, Ms. Lee Reed. Thank you so much for joining this show and keeping us rolling. Uh, you've been more than an inspiration to all of us all year long. Uh, you've been a friend. You've been an awesome teammate, and we love you. And uh, we're just glad to have you uh, with us week in, week out. We don't know what we've done without you because Craig um, has come into a situation where he can't be on the show as much. And so uh, it was just the right move to put you in and uh, have you a part of this team. We love you so much. Hopefully hopefully you're doing well. Um, Taz, thank you so much for your overtime work. Um, I know you guys did well while I was gone, and that just shows just what a tight-knit we are, a family, and, um, you know, it just doesn't go unnoticed. I, I thank you guys so much for your help in keeping this thing going. Um, we are the longest tenure show here on uh, the 110 Nation, and uh, I know that aggravates Mr. CJ Sports, but uh, even he has had life happen and taken him off the air a few times. Um, so, But this has been the longest continuous show, so we are the staple of the 110 Nation, and, and so without uh, giving credit where credit's due, uh, Mr. CJ Sports, thank you so much for, for believing in us and keeping the show going. And even in the worst of times when you couldn't do your own damn show, uh, you made sure we had a show we could do. So I appreciate that, and I love you, man. And I uh, hope that uh, everything is well in the big state of Ohio. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on soon. I love hearing your voice and your take on the things that we talk about here on the show. Uh, let's turn it over uh, to Tad Taylor to close it out. Taylor, tell us about it, man. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening along to Race Channel Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss us live, you can always listen to us in any forms of podcast, such as Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Teaser, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, head on over to the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe. Uh, some of the clips you see there are clips from our live shows. It could be from Rain Chat Live or even Mr. CJ and Mario from Carolina Sports Plus um, when they have their 110 Nation Sports show on Wednesday night. Um, you'll also see behind-the-scenes stuff throughout the weeks of how we prepare our shows, what we do be um, outside to kind of uh, to kind of keep the fresh content rolling with not only with the radio, but also through YouTube. And also, thank you to our sponsors, Bears Bull uh, Market, Bears Bullish Market, Carolina Sports Plus, TNT Designs, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, and more to music, entertainment, and karaoke. We want to thank you all so much for listening to Race Chat Live tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. CJ and Mario back in the studio with the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel, or not YouTube channel, back in the studio with their sports show Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they talk about their sports and give their opinions, such as NBA playoffs, XFL, NFL, you name, basically any sport, you name it, they've pretty much got it covered. Uh, so, again, 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow for them. And with that being said, this has been the race Tuesday night race chat live. We'll see you same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night here on Blog Talk Radio. This has been the Costa Flag Racing Radio, Chris Creighton. The DJ Music Man, Craig Moore, hopefully he'll come back soon. The Mama Bear of the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed. 
I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flagger Taz Taylor saying good night. We'll see y'all next week. Good night. Thanks for listening to the 110 Nation Sports Show with Mr. CJ Sports. You are a part of the 110 Nation. So be sure to visit the110nation.com for everything related to the show. You can follow CJ on Twitter at 110nation and on Facebook at 110nation sports. Until next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.